Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another uh, episode of the AB Sports Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Netherlands and Northants international cricketer, Brandon Glover. How are you, mate? Hey, Ali. Uh, yeah, all good. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure, mate. It's a pleasure. Um, he, the first uh, Dutch cricketer I had on the podcast was, in fact, Max O'Dowd. So uh, it's great to have another another Dutch player on, on the podcast today. So... Um, uh, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to come on and chat with us about your cricketing journey. Um, and uh, really exciting to be speaking to you uh, today, mate. So uh, thank you so much yeah, yet again. But um, yeah, so you you had a fitness session this morning with Northants. How did that go? Uh, yeah, it was, it was a private one. Um, obviously, we can't go into the ground every single day with COVID restrictions and whatnot. So they've given us like little GPS bands and we have to go run around the park. But I think it was two degrees, quite windy and a bit rainy, so it wasn't fun. Running uh, mm. never is fun, but it just made it a bit worse. But um, yeah, good. We're just getting back into into full health to get going in about a month's time, I think it is. But yeah, I'm feeling a bit. Uh, my legs are a bit heavy at the moment. So, how often a week are you guys doing these uh, fitness sessions? Uh, so it's sort of we've been building up. It was when I first arrived about three weeks ago. It was about uh, two to three a week. Now it's we sort of have training three times a week so we run in training as well and then maybe two outside depending on how much I bowled and the workloads and all that stuff so I'd say about yeah five maybe six if we're unlucky but uh, our SNC guy he keeps tabs on that and he just um, yeah, says if we need to get this amount done and whatnot but lots of fitness obviously pre-season is always big on fitness which is unfortunate but we got to do it yeah it's just part of the job eh yeah uh, exactly. so but um yeah it's good to know that you guys are obviously uh, doing your preseason stuff and you know getting ready for the for the season, I guess coming up because it's uh, it's very exciting to know that you know you guys will still be in a position when it comes up to the summertime. You guys will be playing some some good cricket and getting some game time under your belt. So that that's good. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, it looks like it's going to be a full season, uh, both internationally with the Dutch and also with the county. Uh, it's going to be a lot of cricket, so fitness levels need to be high. I think they realise that. That's why we've been doing. All that we've been doing but um yeah great to get a full season in as it looks like it should stay the same um play a few games and um yeah it's very exciting what, what's coming up this year so it could be massive um i'm very keen on all the boys are very keen putting in the hard work so when we get into it it should be a, a good standard yeah absolutely and I, i'm looking forward to watching it um both at home and uh, i guess on the go you know if i'm traveling to somewhere um but uh yeah, it would be good to see that um, as well. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, thank you again for coming on. I've, I've been looking forward to this chat uh, all week. So um, it's finally happened. It's finally here. So, um, but um, yeah, I mean, I want to take you all the way back to when you got started into cricket for the first time. I mean, where did you, how did you get into the sport? How did it all start for you from an early age? Um, so, yeah, I grew up in South Africa. Obviously, cricket is... It's quite big there. I had um, a family which is quite big on cricket. I mean, my dad, he he got me into it at a young age, probably around you know, five, five or six years old. We used to have like um, clubs there. You put me off on a Saturday and let me run around for the whole day. And then you could go have a few beers with his mates in the clubhouse, which I'm sure he enjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just stuff like that, running in the garden, um, turning the arm over, playing a bit of rugby. So sport was just, it was quite a, quite a big part of my childhood. Um, school system in South Africa also is massive on sports as soon as you get into grade one or two you're already playing um team sports either with the club or in school and uh you play all of them you play rugby um football cricket i tried my hand at tennis and golf and that took, uh, took me all the way through until grad, you know grade seven grade eight and then i sort of realized okay cricket's my thing um i didn't really have a favorite sport until i was about 13 i'd say and then cricket just sort of stood up but um yeah so getting into it playing with friends when i was a youngster and you sort of just um realize what sports are for you and you sort of start grinding on those kind of sports so yeah I was fortunate that we had good weather down there and like big open space where I could just run around and do my thing but yeah pretty pretty atypical of a well pretty typical I should say of um, a youngster growing up there yeah and and of course um you're still a young guy at the moment you're only 23 I think at the moment so um and you've got years and years ahead of you mate and you know I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you can do in both uh, a North Ants jersey and a, and a Dutch jersey as well. Um, so very exciting times ahead for yourself. But um, yeah, speaking of um, South Africa, you're born in Johannesburg. Um, and uh, basically, uh, there'll be a lot of people asking this question, I'm sure. But um, 
you were obviously you play with the Dutch team at the moment. So how did that come about? You getting into the Dutch team instead of the South African team? Um, because my mom's Dutch, uh, so her family came from Netherlands, moved over to South Africa. Obviously, met my dad had me and whatnot. So I've fortunately got a, a Dutch passport. Hmm. Um, and then yeah, just uh, I was playing a bit of first class stuff in South Africa. Um, I think I, I went there for university to Stellenbosch. I'm um, Stellenbosch University and was giving a crack with first class team Boland over there. Um, and yeah, I was getting along all right, but I wasn't really getting much franchise opportunity. And uh, obviously, you need to play franchise in order to get into the national side. Um, so when I was about 21, I think, um, out of the blue, really, the Dutch national coach, Ryan Campbell, got hold of me, sent me like WhatsApp saying, mate, we're in South Africa to, um, I think they were training for the qualifiers in Zimbabwe for the 50 over. And he said, if you want to have a, a shot, um, just come up to the HPC at Pretoria, bowl a few balls, we can have a look, see if, uh, see if there's something going on there. So I went up there for like two weeks, bowled at the lads, and yeah, they were all very happy that I can you come over. Uh, but that was in 2018 in the last year of my degree. So I said, listen, I can't come over for the, the whole the whole um, international schedule or whatnot. I can only come for two months in international break in June, July. I mean, sorry, in um, university break, June, July. So I went over there, played club. And then, yeah, I got uh, I got a good vibe from it. Um, I was training with the national team then. And they said, listen, there's real opportunity to pursue like an international career um, almost straight away. So I thought like I could give it a shot in South Africa, but the opportunities were looking low. I mean, it, it's... Uh, I just felt like this was a move I needed. I was also sort of plateauing from university. I hadn't really put full effort into cricket per se. I was still a youngster, still enjoying the uni life with it. So I thought maybe it's a good good thing for me to move, try an opportunity with the Dutch. So in 2019, moved over, had a full season. Um, and the opportunities from playing with the Dutch, obviously, they immense. Like the county, um, you could play a county while playing for the Dutch as well. And that was, that was always a goal of mine. So had a good um, international what uh, season in 2019 and they got the Dutch I mean the Northlands contract so I guess that's how I got into it but yeah by chance Cambo just sending me that message really sort of changed my life and changed my career so very fortunate that he somehow heard I had a Dutch passport <laughs> mm. yeah exactly and, and it's good to see you know coaches offering young guys like yourself back then uh, an opportunity to represent uh, you know uh, yourself on the biggest stage of them all playing against you know different uh different countries etc and uh i remember because i was watching this video of you uh playing for the netherlands actually uh i believe it was two years ago or three years ago uh in the world cup uh, t20 qualifiers i believe uh and it was in dubai and you were playing against the uae and i think you got your, f- your final figures if i'm correct in saying was about four wickets for 12 runs or something off uh, four overs um, yeah. And at one stage, when you were bowling your uh, your spell, uh, the score was like four for four in the UAE innings. And I was like, my God, that's like incredible, you know, and pretty crazy. Yeah, listen, we didn't um, we didn't really expect that. I mean, uh, we had played at the UAE earlier on in, in June, July with the Dutch and they actually beat us 4-0. So we had some revenge to get to, to get done there. Um, but I just remember that was a, it was a really good day for all the fast bowlers. I mean, Paul van Makeren, he opened and he immediately got, I think, one or two wickets straight off the bat as well. So when I came in, they were already two down. Um, and yeah, we. it's just one of those days when it clicks. I mean, my, my rhythm was feeling good. Paul's was feeling good. So, and the deck was, it was beautiful. It was a, a really good cricketing wicket, which had pace in it. So we thought, well, let's, let's just exploit this. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it came off. We were bowling some, some good pace and, yeah, it's like you look back at it, you sort of, at, at, at the time, it doesn't feel as absurd as it does when you look back and you see, well, four for four, like um, the, the wickets were tumbling, but we were just so focused on just hitting our areas. We didn't really pay much attention to, okay, they're going to get four runs for four wickets, you know what I mean? But um, really special day and we qualified to go um, to the T20 World Cup after that victory, which we were, that's what we were there for to, um, there to do. So we were over the moon and a really, really good day for us in Dutch cricket. Yeah, and you're playing, of course, in uh, glorious conditions then as well. You know, open skies, no rain, no, you know, terrible weather. So it was, uh, yeah, a pretty good day for yourselves, I imagine, then. Yeah, no, it was beautiful. Just, uh, I think it was 40 degrees. So that was the only downside. <laughs> Very sweaty out there. I, I mean, how hard is it playing in these sorts of conditions, knowing that you're going to be playing in 30 plus degrees and, you know, playing, uh, you know, T20 cricket and, you know, maybe sometimes 50 over cricket as well in those conditions. How hard is it? trying to maintain yourself and try to keep, the, I guess, the consistency if you're bowling a lot as well as batting? 
Yeah, listen, it's a, it's a bit of a shock. Um, we were saying, thank, thank goodness it was a T20s and not a test match or 50 overs because that's just, that's a whole different kettle of fish. But yeah, it's um, the first few days, you, you always, you, you're quite shocked. You're taking down bottles and bottles of water when you're running in in the nets and you're changing shirts every two or three hours. But you do get used to it. Um, we were playing at night every now and then, so it was a bit cooler. But I mean, it's tough. Uh, it's it, it definitely it's a strain on fitness levels. So we did have to be super fit going into that. We knew it would be hot, so we had trained with that in mind. Lots of um, what bike sessions, lots of running sessions, gym, etc. So we had prepared. Um, like I said, it's always still a bit of a shock. But you've just got to, I think, get in the mindset. Like those are the conditions. Um, it is going to be hot. It's going to be tough. But we have a job to do for our country here. So let's just run in and bang it in. And you got 20 overs for us as bowlers. You only have to bowl four. So just leave it all out there. When you get back into the into the huts, you can have a rehydrate. You can pass out on the floor. Like we were saying, we don't care what we feel like afterwards, as long as we we zoned in, we do our job, and then you can do whatever you want after, cry afterwards or whatever. But yeah, you do get used to it, and it's um, I think it's better than the two degree weather we're gonna have in preseason here. But <laughs> so that's a, that's a different thing. It's um, yeah, it's it's just about mindset fitness, I guess, and it's a lot of fun as well. Um, especially playing in that big stadium, you know, you're on TV. That just adds more energy and you sort of you get buzzing so the weather sort of becomes a secondary factor as well which is quite cool yeah absolutely and, and uh i i myself have played in those type of conditions before as well so i completely understand where you're coming from uh, on that <laughs> so um because i mean it is it is very difficult i i i must admit playing you know 30 degrees and then one week you're playing you know less than five degrees uh on some occasions so um I, as you said it's all about the mindset and how you adapt and how well you can adapt sorry on that day yeah no for sure mindset's a massive part of it um you just got to you just got to push through i mean there's there's no if you if you start slumping even a time but you're going to get whacked around and that's just that's just not good for you and the team so just prepare with it in mind um know the conditions you're going to play in and sort of adjust like we had a, a series t20 series i think in in island malahide and then it was it was freezing like between the single figures windy and all that stuff and then three weeks later, we're in the in the 40 degree heat. So you just got to mentally prep for it, I guess. And then when you get there and you start actually running in, you're training, you, um, you're bowling, batting, you, you get used to it, I guess. You start more focusing more on the cricket side of things rather than the weather side of things. So that's uh, I think that's just the, the mindset that we have. And yeah, <laughs> you just end up playing cricket and having fun. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all a lot of fun as well. So we love being out there, regardless if it's cold or if it's hot, you just get on with it. Absolutely. And just and just focusing on, on what you need to do next in, in that moment in time and, and trying to replicate it every week or every uh, or every month that you play, uh, so to speak. So um, that's so important as well. So um, now I wanted to talk very quickly about obviously your ODI and T20 debuts, which were both against uh, Zimbabwe back in 2019. Um, obviously, what, I mean, what was it like for yourself, obviously, getting to that stage, you know, wearing the jersey? Uh, and how did you hear about the news? How did you hear that you were going to be playing these games? Yeah, so um, like that was 2019 when I moved over properly for the first time. So when I heard that I was in the in the general squad, I was really I was I was very chuffed. Obviously, I mean, it's it's years and years of putting in big effort into cricket, hoping hoping something goes right, hoping you get that break. And to hear that I was in that is I sort of thought like this is my break. This is how I can start making a career and a name for myself and kick on. So I was I was over the moon put in plenty of plenty of effort for it. So very chuffed. And then when I knew I was going to play, like actually go with the touring squad, um, I think we were in Guernsey or something. I was on an A tour, A tour with, um, with the Dutch and our captain came with us, Peter Saylor. And he said, listen, you're going to be picked. Uh, the team's coming out in four or five days. So just keep it hushed. Like don't, don't really blurt it out or whatever. Um, but just get on with this A tour, work on what you need to. And your next game will be against Zimbabwe. So I was like, okay, epic. Like, <laughs> so there was a really good eight. So I ran in and just, um, I remember thinking like, this is this is it. I can I can really begin begin my stuff from here on. Um, and yeah, very good feeling. Uh, getting the Dutch shirts as well with your name printed on the back. That's always a cool feeling. Holding up, seeing it to my family, my Dutch family. They're all very chuffed as well. So, yeah, very very special days. Okay, yeah, because I mean, a lot of people who have been on the podcast before have, have always chatted to me about how how important it is for them. Uh, obviously, because their family's been supporting them throughout their careers up to that stage, and then, and then they get so excited, and then you know they're over the moon, they're so happy, they're, yeah. um, 
you know, they've got messages left, right and center, whether that's text messages or emails, et cetera, um, about it. So, um, so yeah, I think it's special for any player getting to that stage and wearing the jersey for the first time and playing on the biggest stage of them all as well. So, yeah, no, for sure. And getting messages um, from all around the world is also very cool. A lot of my mates in South Africa saying, are oh, you, you traitor and all that stuff, having a little jig. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's always, it's all in, um, all in good good faith I guess so but yeah it was it was very cool just seeing that some had opportunity here and it was really it was yeah I enjoyed it and the, the debut went well as well it was good fun um, the team absolutely awesome having me as a, a new kid kind of thing I had senior players which I was obviously a bit nervous meeting these guys saying like you've seen them play around the world you know how good they are and they thought maybe they might be like you know stand aside youngster kind of thing but they're all very inclusive and absolutely love the Dutch team everyone there's a very good guy and we're all working hard towards a certain goal. So I absolutely love it. Yeah. And um, speaking of um, speaking of the Netherlands and North Ants as well, obviously, uh, David Ripley is your coach at North Ants um, and also Ryan Campbell. We mentioned him earlier about how he's your coach at uh, the Netherlands as well. Um, what's it like uh, playing under these two guys? Are they similar in their sort of approach to games or are they slightly different? No, nah, I think um, they're two very different personalities. Um, Cambo, he's a he's an Aussie. He's a, he's quite um, I wouldn't say uptight, but he's very like straightforward, blunt, um, energetic as well. Like he's and he can be quite strict. I mean, very 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 strict, which is which is good. But he's also he's a fantastic guy as well. I love being around him. And Rips is more laid back. He's um, definitely more chilled than Cambo. Um, they've got different uh, coaching styles completely. Well, not completely, but there are there are big differences. But I guess they, they just manage their, their players in a different way. And um, uh, in the end, this goal is the same to win and to get the best out of everyone. And they both know how to do that. They're both very cool, very cool guys to be around. They're very, um, yeah, very approachable, if you know what I mean. Like you can go say, listen, I need help with this, or they'll come to you. Um, but yeah, certainly different. I think all coaches are different. All coaches bring something else to the table. So the fact that I get both ends, I get um, I get Camber and I get Rips, um, one more chilled, one more which will kick me in the ass kind of thing. And, Cambo does like having a dig at me, which is which is cool. I don't mind it at all. Always, um, he's always after my batting as well, <laughs> um, which isn't the best, but that's another story. Um, so yeah, I get both ends of the spectrum. I get to see what the one guy wants, what the other guy wants. One's been in the county system for for ages, um, in Rips, and then Cambo obviously has played for Australia. He's been in the Australian side, um, is set up and everything. So. They just uh, they just give you different different um, experiences, I could say, and really you can develop you as a cricketer. And you take the positives from both, and there are plenty of positives from both sides, and then you can sort of just grow yourself from there. Um, but yeah, there's there's also sort of common ground in um, in my uh, bowling coach Chris Little. So he was with the Dutch side, and now he's with the county side. So he's always that sort of uh, that leveler which I can go to as well, which is great. I um I saw a. Uh... A really funny video on I think it was the Netherlands cricket uh, like homepage website um, and it, it had Ryan Campbell in it and he was talking about Max O'Dowd's haircut because it literally is like so long it's like down to his shoulders you know um, oh, and he was it. like cut it off cut it off you know I wish it could be cut off <laughs> so, but I, I like his haircut I really do I don't think he's ever getting rid of that to be honest it's his sort of it's his international trademark yeah it's sort of that thing he has to have for life basically yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, he's going to keep that. It, he stands out and he, he plays great cricket with it, so fair play to him. But yeah, um, yeah with Camber and the Jokers, he's, he's, he's got full of banter. He's very close with the lads as well. Um, so when we're outside of cricket, it's all there's, there's a good friendship there between everyone and everyone's on a good standing. But then when it's time to get down to work, um, you know, it's time to get down to work, if you know what I mean, so, which, is, which is good. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um... But um, now, Brandon, we, we all know you as a seamer uh, from, you know, an early age when you got into when you got into cricket. But um, have you ever done a bit of spinning, spinning now and again? Or has it always been seam? Uh, no, no, I've, I've never I've never really dabbled seriously in, in spin. I was, since I was a youngster, I could always I, I, I was always a seam, but I, I always had my action going towards seam. So spins never really crossed my mind. I mean, I sometimes I go in the nets and I lob a few pies down for batsmen or whatever if they need me to be, but I'm really awful at it. So I think the, the most spin I get is off my slow balls. But yeah, I do um, I do try work on my batting. That, that's one thing. So spin's always just been another thing. It's just fast bowling and batting, I guess, but my batting hasn't come along too well. <laughs> Have you sort of like progressed from 
I guess, medium fast bowling to then quick bowling? Or has it always been quick bowling, hands down? Um, I've always sort of been a, a fast bowler. I mean, as fast as you can get when you're a youngster, when you're 12 or 11. Like, obviously, no one's really bowling quick, but um, I was always, I could say, slightly quicker than, than the normal kid. Um, I always wanted to be the fast bowler. I was always the opening bowler kind of thing. So, I mean, it's, it's something I've just grown up doing. Um, I wouldn't say I was particularly rapid. I only started really getting quite quick when I was around 15. Um, I remember I had a good experience or that experience at the time in grade nine. I think I was probably the third quickest in the team in, in January, whatever. And I ended up getting dropped from the A team. And for me, cricket was like everything back then. I mean, it's still a big part of me now, but obviously when you're a youngster, you're in an all boys school, like you need to be good at your sport. So I was, I was heartbroken, went to the B team for a game. And then from then on, I just decided, nah, I want to be the quickest. I want to be the, the main bowler. So just work my, work my ass off. And then I sort of, I think it was the gym work started putting on um, some good kilometers on some bowling. And when the second season or second half of the season came in September, October, I was, I was bowling quicker than all the other 16 year olds and all 15 year olds. And I even got put into the firsts with um, the likes of Kakiso Rabada. So I was like, well, that's uh, six months of, of good stuff. And then from then on, yeah, I've always just been, been trying to put it down uh, quicker than everyone else, I guess. Speaking of Rabada, I mean, he's been one of South Africans, uh, South Africa, sorry, uh, quickest bowlers. He's been one of their uh, consistent bowlers as well. He's always been taking wickets every year. He's been playing um, and he's played in, you know, several uh, sort of competitions, you know, around the world basically as well. So how good is it for you you know, having that opportunity to train with someone like that. Yeah, it was it was epic. Like I said, when I was, I was 15, I think he was 17, he was already a, a big superstar in schoolboy cricket. Um, he was already playing SL19s, lying down the 19, um, Kalteng 19s, all those things. And we all knew he was the quickest schoolboy bowler in, in South Africa and whatnot. So the fact that when they said, I didn't I didn't know he knew I exist or whatever, but then they said, okay, young Brandon, you're going to go open the bowling with KG next game, you make your first team, then you're like, okay, well, that's, that's pretty wild. Um, so yeah, just having that opportunity as a, as a kid, um, just to see what he did, um, see how he went about his business. When he, when he went to the gym, you follow him kind of thing. You see him bowling, you see him batting fielding. You just, uh, you learn from the guy. I mean, he was already playing, I think, first class as well at that stage. So I was like, well, he's pretty much professional. This is what you need to do as a professional in order to get to that level. So that, that experience just... I think it really benefited me because from 15 until 18, then I could start working like he worked and doing the things which um, which you see him doing and all that stuff. So yeah, and great inspiration, great guy and everything. Um, so yeah, real good. The only not good thing is when you have to face him in the nets as a youngster or get in the slips to him. That wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> I must imagine, yeah, because he, he's that sort of guy who can bowl obviously very quick in the net. So, so you don't know where he's going to uh, bowl it, whether it's going to be short or, or you know, on the full uh, or uh, a normal delivery. So you, you can't really tell um, when you're in the nets, when you face them sort of thing. Yeah, I think the worst was because he used to trundle in off a five-step most of the time. I think that was most of the fast bowlers things. Even I did that towards the latter end of school. Sort of five minutes and you work on technicalities. But then if a youngster goes in there and you play a cover drive against him, like a, this really solid one, Obviously, he then lights up. He's like, I'm going to put this guy in his place. And then you start like, then you're shaking. <laughs> you know a few short ones are coming. So you learn how to duck very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Ricardo Vasconcelos, my, my housemate, also played to North Ends. He was on the receiving end. I remember very distinctly. He came in. I think he played a full shot of KG of a 10-step, whatever. KG immediately was like, all right, that's what you want to do. Full step back was bowling 140 at a little school kid. It was damn, a bit terrifying. <laughs> I mean, how many steps do you come off in your run-up usually? Uh, so in, in game times and now obviously in pro training you take it um, off to about 20 meters I've got I've got a mark at 20 and a half meters now so how many steps I'm not too sure I just I whip out the tape measure these days yeah, yeah uh, so it's quite close yeah. to the, the inner ring yeah because I mean for myself because I bowl and bat as well myself and I usually come up for around about 14 or 15 steps roughly uh so and uh it seems to pay off in the end sometimes <laughs> sometimes it doesn't so you know um but i guess it's all about as a bowler trying to make sure with how you know how many steps is comfortable enough for you i guess yeah it's, it's all about rhythm i mean fast bowlers are always at the the battle of trying to find great rhythm in their run-up because I, I believe like your run-up sort of makes your ball before you've even bowled it if you're feeling good when you're running in 
you got good strides and whatever, then the outcome of the ball is generally better than than not. Um, some guys are not playing with bowling. Uh, well, KJ, an example, he's coming off a bit of a shorter run-up than he used to. I've shortened mine a bit, but then again, mine's still long. So some guys, it's like Mark Wood, you see, he comes off a, well, he was a short one. He's now gone into a long one. So it is it is a very personal thing. It's not like I can tell you, no, you'll bowl 140 if you come off a 20 meter, because that's just, that's just not how it works. It's just about feeling um, how you're running in and how you approach the crease, I guess. But yeah, Jerry's out and what's best, but I think um, what's best for you, you just got to run and feel good. And if uh, if you're feeling good and running in good, you'll, you'll be able to bowl. Yeah, you'll you be all sorted for that. So that would be yeah, for sure. Always, always important to make sure that you're comfortable enough with what you're doing before you before you start your proper run up. So that's yeah. that's very important to anybody out there who's listening to this and want a bit of advice on that. Um, now, as a ball yourself, uh, what sort of things do you usually try to work on? Say, for example, you come up to a train session one day, and you've got a certain uh, you know a few things in your head that you want to work on. What are those things for yourself? So that's, um, that changes quite a lot. Um, a big thing we do here at North Ends now, especially also with the Dutch, is you've got to work on specific side. You can't just come up to a net and say, I'm just going to bowl at a batsman. No idea what I'm working on. So you sort of, we have chats with the bowling coach and you say, okay, well, today I'm going to work on scene position. Let's, uh, let's try to get that conventional, if it's four-day stuff, let's try to get conventional outswing going at decent pace, hitting that, that fourth stump, third stump line kind of thing. But then you could also come into a practice and they say, okay, it's a, it's a white ball session. Um, you don't have much of an off cutter. We're going to work on an off cutter the whole day kind of thing or a leg cutter or, or death training. Sometimes we'll have a, a training in the, in the morning and they'll say, you're running the power play in um, the top four overs for T20. So then you're sort of hitting five pad. That's your goal. You're hitting five pad every single ball, a few variations, whatnot. And then later session, they'll say, okay, now it's Yorkers and you're running and you bowl four overs of just Yorkers kind of thing. So it is, it's driven on the situation, driven on uh, what kind of game we're playing, what's what's coming up. And also, if you've had like a, a bad weekend per se, you had a four-day game, you weren't swinging it or you were you were a bit all over the place and you'll put down some beacons and say, okay, three hours, I'm just going to bowl like 10 overs of hitting hitting cones. That's it. You're going to just hit your, hit your area. So it's very dependent on the situation, what what's going about. But it is very important to have a sort of a plan. Like you can't just come in and say, I'm going to put a batsman over there let me just bolt in because then you're not really working on anything, are you? Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, obviously a lot of amateur clubs do it. I mean, they usually have, you know, they come to a net, they put, you know, a certain amount of cones down in front of the wickets and then they sort of try to always aim for, you know, uh, a particular colored cone, for example, and mm -hmm. trying to replicate that over and over again. But it's not just about that, is it? No, no. I mean, there's plenty of things like I said, um, the, the current thing is important, especially for, for youngsters getting, you need to be able to have control of where you're bowling. So it's a big aspect, but there are other things, especially if you want to like play in the higher leagues and you're going to have to start having a few tricks up your sleeve. You're going to be able to like work on um, different variations. Bounces are also important. Outswing is seam position. Um, I'm not the biggest swing bowler, but now something I'm working on in the nets a lot during um, preseason is just getting that seam perfectly like linear, I could say, or straight down the middle so that, even if it doesn't swing or it will swing late or if we'll just jag off the seam. If you're not bowling with that seam up, it's sort of going straight. And if you're at pace, someone can just play through the line. So it is important to have those things. And that's where a bowling coach comes into it quite a lot. And this has helped me keep some balance with that kind of thing. So yeah, it is. And then also action, you work a lot in action. Say if I'm falling over whatnot, the guys will say, yeah, you're a bit like to the side. So let's work on it today. You're just going to run in and you're going to try to get as tall as possible. When you tour, obviously the ball comes out a bit straighter as well. So there are heaps of things, but you just got to make sure that you're focusing on on certain things and not just coming in and having a, a general ball. Yeah, exactly. And and when you obviously when you go through your run up, you're in the you're you're in that sort of that right frame of mind where you're going up, you run up to stumps, and then as you said, standing tall, making sure you get really nice and big and then and then coming down. But And then also following through. You've got to be following through straight to off stump, really, ideally, when yeah. you let go of that ball. Yeah, for sure. That's um, what we say is you want to sort of bowl to the keeper. Um, so we want to get obviously nice and big at the at the crease, but then make sure all your, your momentum is going forward. If you're going to the side, you might like, come out to the side, the ball won't go exactly where you want it. But if everything's behind the ball and you can feel the wrist behind the ball, then obviously put in that sort of drive, that hip drive, I think is very important and sort of whip yourself towards the keeper. Then it helps with pace and it helps with line and everything. You, you, it's just, you become sort of 
one one sort of a thing in a straight line, I guess. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it is important. And there's there's different cues for different bowlers. I mean, a lot of the swing bowlers won't go straight down to the, the keeper. They'll sort of veer off to the side. Um, but they obviously they're, they're not bowling or they're not trying to bowl as quick as well. But um, for me, a big thing or a lot of fast bowlers is keep one line, keep one momentum going straight towards the keeper and really try hit his gloves, make sure the ball is going to the keeper, not towards the batsman. So you want to sort of bowl through the wicket, if that makes sense, or bowl through your area and make sure the keeper is getting hit quite hard. And then, yeah, things happen. The ball will, the ball will do things by itself. Um, it's coming out right. And obviously the pace and bounce is, is very important too. Absolutely. And, and that, that's what I learned as a bowler growing up, you know, from all the coaches that I've had before in the past is, is just pretty much everything that you've said there. I mean, it's, it's absolutely spot on. And that's what you need to be consistent, uh, you know, on a weekend or during the week or whenever it is people play. Um, yeah. So that's so important to have uh, in your artillery, so to speak. So, um, but uh, anyway, sorry, um, let's move on to the next one. I mean, who are the, some, some of the players that you looked up to when you were younger? Obviously, we mentioned uh, Rabada earlier, um, but who have been some of the other players that you've sort of, looked up to and said, right, I actually want to try and be in their shoes possibly one day? Yeah, so um, mainly fast bowlers. I guess I watched Brett Lee and all those guys when I was a youngster. Sean Pollock was originally my my big hero um, when he was playing. I just thought, yeah, he, he bowled pretty quickly, but his, his line and length and consistency and he just took wickets, which I loved. Um, also could bat a bit. Uh, and then Dale Stan, I'd say, was my main fast bowling influence. He's, he's my idol in terms of fast bowling. I even modeled my action to a certain extent off him. I just loved the way that he, he ran in and was aggressive and was always at the batsman, bolt quick, bolt bounces, all those things that youngster loves to see. And uh, watching him at the Wanderers um, when I could, like when they were playing test matches there, seeing the ball absolutely fly, um, fly through. That's sort of like, I want to do that. I want to be there. Like, I want to be that guy kind of thing. So I used to watch videos of him before I went to sleep, just that bowling action and sort of mimic in my head when I was a youngster. Then go to the nets with all my mates uh, even at school, like at a break time or whatever, with the tennis ball when we're playing in the nets, like, okay, he balls like this, let me try a ball like that kind of thing. Um, which a lot of the youngsters, obviously, you, you check your idols and then you want to be like them. So he was a big influence. Um, and then, yeah, in the non-cricketing side, Roger Federer was, um, he was one of my idols as well. Just, yeah, he's, he's the goat, isn't he? Tiger Woods, those kind of things. But yeah, I'd say Dale Stain for cricket influence was, was massive. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, speaking of Dale, I mean, he's playing... Um some cricket over in uh, Pakistan now, I believe, uh, in the Pakistan Super League. So, um, and it's great to see him over there playing some cricket. And I think his hairstyle is almost the same as Max's as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I saw that. I saw a commentator, I think it was Simon Duel, have a dig at him as well. Uh, he didn't appreciate that from what I saw. I just read something on the internet there. But yeah, he's um, he's gone with the, the flair, the flair mullet, I think, if, uh, if I'm correct. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it's good to see him still charging. I think he's 37 now, but he's still he's still bowling quick and he's still got that passion. And I think he just loves fast bowling, same as me. You just you love being out there. Um, and he he looks like the guy that will give his all for the team. So hopefully I'll meet him in a tournament soon and can yeah just learn a bit from him. But good to see him still out there. Yeah, or even have have him come down to one of your sessions at Northlands, possibly in the future. That might be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Even even playing against, so I think um, he was with Hampshire, if I'm correct, a few years ago. So maybe it's a, a county gig or something like that. And I can even play against him and just see how he operates then. But yeah, if we could get him to Northland, so yeah, no, I, I wouldn't be complaining at all. Really, <laughs> epic guy to learn from. And yeah, he seems like quite a chill guy. He like, loves his surfing and his sky, uh, skateboarding, his guitar. So yeah, it would be good. Awesome. Awesome. Um, now, obviously, because we talked a little bit about consistency in, in T20 cricket and, you know, a bit in ODI cricket as well. But um, for you, what's what's the most important point or key points, I should say, uh, in terms of your fast bowling? Try to be consistent as possible because we see, you know, we see a lot of bowlers in the professional game now getting tired after the first, you know, five or six overs in their, in their spell, so to speak. Um, so for you, how important is it to try and to try and stay consistent, especially when you're a fast bowler yourself and, you know, you're, you're going for how, however many steps it might be running up to the wicket and then trying to deliver that, that perfect ball at the right time and try to get batsman playing shots rather than leaving shots. 
Yeah, I mean, consistency is massive. The first thing, like like you mentioned, is um, consistency and pace. I think that's, um, you, you're in the team as a fast bowler, we're getting paid to bowl fast. So we need to be able to do that pretty much throughout the day. Four-day cricket is, it, or even 50 over, it gets tough after the eighth over or whatever. But um, that's what you're there to do. So you need to consistently be quick. That's something I'm trying to work on as well, just consistently be bowling like into or close to the 90 mile per hour kind of thing. That's that's a big stepping stone. Um, so that's an important factor. You need to be able to do that, whether you need to go to gym, you need to do your fitness just to, enable, to be able to sort of run it even at 4 p.m. the captain throws you the ball. Uh, it's flat as anything. And he says, you just got to run in and bowl rapid, which happens quite a lot. See if you can reverse on something. So that's important. Um, and then also consistency where you land the ball. I mean, that's huge. You, like, you see, um, you can't really be, you can't be spraying it, I guess, these days. Like some, sometimes you can get away with it with pace, but in the professional ranks, if a, a ball is bad and you're bowling quick, it's sort of even better. They just they hack through the line, especially in T20s. I mean, you miss your mark, guys will swing. With the power play, two, two guys out in the field, they can hit really wherever they want. So I think it's so important to be able to land the ball where you want it and have that control. And that's, it's not easy, especially when you're running in from obviously quite far, you're sort of sprinting and then you've got a high jump. It's, it's very hard to sort of keep control and um, sort of zone in on a target and hit that six out of six times. But you, you develop that through through training and obviously through through playing. That comes with the experience. But I mean, being being pro, that's what you've got to do. You've got to say, I'm going to hit like four or five balls on that off stump, maybe bring one in, but mainly six out of six on, on that, that line where you need it to. That, that's huge. If you're spraying it around, uh, no matter how quick you're bowling, you'll go for runs, especially in this day and age, you'll, you'll fly. So now we sort of have to have a balance between just trying to bowl absolutely rapid and sort of get your areas right because you, you can't really just have one or the other. You need to have both um, in order to be successful, especially with T20, like I said. I mean, there, if you, if, you, if you go, you can go for mad runs. So you need to be able to hit it on a coin almost, which is, it's tough and you won't always get it right. You can't hold yourself to perfection, that's for sure, because you're not going to bowl, uh, what's it, 24 perfect balls. You're going you're gonna to bowl loose ones and you're going to get whacked even off a good ball. So it's, um, that's something I'm learning now, just to keep your head say, what's my, my best ball? If they hit me off my best ball, so be it. That's, that's innovation or whatever. But just keep trying to nail what you, what you need to nail and know where you want to put it. That's, that's huge. Yeah, and I, I guess for, for any bowler out there listening to this or watching this, because uh, uh, I'm sure it happens with them as well, it's all about trying to keep that batsman there at the crease and not you know, get, get quick singles or quick twos or, or whatever it might be, um, and also not you know, smacking you for fours or sixes all the time, as you mentioned before, because, I mean, that, that's a killer for any bowler, whether it's a spinner or, or a seamer. Um, that is a killer for anybody who's bowling and then they get smacked like that. I mean, yeah, uh, it is, it is tough, especially like I say, when you, you think you bowl your best ball, you bowl, let's say a back of a length on off stump and the guy, I don't know, he pulls you away or somehow manages to squirt it over the inner ring and it goes for four. Um, I mean, especially off the first ball, you're sort of under pressure, but that's, that's what's going to happen. So you sort of just need to keep your head and say, what's my next best ball? Maybe put it in the best place possible and not lose your mind. Cause I've, I've seen, it, I've done it myself where, that first ball goes for four, six, and you just get completely you you like bewildered. You get angry. You just see red, and then you just try ball as fast as possible. But you're not landing it anywhere near where you want to, and the batsmen sort of they latch onto you, and you can go for 16, 20, and an over, and then your team's on the back foot. So you need to keep calm. Have a have your captain there next to you and say where should we be bowling with the bowling, sorry, um, and have a backup plan. Say a guy's getting hold of you. You've gone for 12 in three or four. Uh, in a T20, you need to see it out. So you say, okay, I need, I have to bowl like three Yorkers now. I, need, I just need to keep the run rate down and get out of your over. Make sure that you have those backup plans and you've got those um, those things in your team meetings. You talk about those things. But yeah, you need to be able to hit your areas and you need to know what those areas are. You need to sort of analyze the, the batsmen, see how they're playing at the time and yeah, match on, I guess. Yeah. And um, the, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was, of course, uh, how how you hold the ball as a bowler because a lot of a lot of bowlers nowadays uh you know we see a lot of different types of grips on the ball we see a lot of a lot of ways as to as to how as to how they hold the ball as well um but for you i mean you know from that very first start from your run up from the start of your run up how do you hold the ball how do you try to i mean we talked a little bit about you know in swinging and out swinging that sort of thing before but for you personally how do you hold the ball and, and how do you What's your mindset from the start of your run-up to the time you let go of the ball? 
yeah, I wish I had a ball on me so I could show you. I mean, it's a bit. Stuff yeah, to, sorry, uh, I forgot to mention that to you this time. The podcast, <laughs> I was like, oh damn, there's surely something I've forgotten here. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's one my cricket bag in, in the car, but yeah, I'll, I'll try my best. So, um, I'd say my stock ball would be pretty much seam facing, just between the keeper and the first slip. You want to sort of be at like that angle, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, middle finger just off the inside of the right side. So. What a big thing for me is I want to feel my middle finger running down that seam um, for my stock delivery. Uh, that's if I can feel like coming out sort of like a paintbrush motion to feel the seam coming out and then it would sort of just angle, like I said, towards first slippage and sort of get that away shape with the red ball. That's um, that's the pretty standard one. My fingers are about like that far apart. My thing, this one is just on the edge of the, the left seam. So I'm not holding them together like that. I'm not going wide either. I'm sort of just in between there. But the main one is my middle finger must be on that ridge um, of the of the red ball, and you must just feel it coming down like that. That's that's the main thing for me. Um, in swinger is so uh, well with the out swing. Obviously, the rough side is on the left, swinging towards the slips. In swinger, you reverse it. You put the the rough side going down leg, um, and you sort of angle it just onto leg stump, and then this finger comes into play. Your index. Um, so instead of feeling the middle finger coming down that that ridge, I want to feel my obviously this one coming down the ridge on the left side as well so you're sort of angling it like that and just yeah. pushing it towards almost as pad so when i'm going the in, in the in swinger obviously i'm not a massive swing bowler i'm more more nip but when i am trying to do that i'm trying to sort of break my wrist and make sure it's hitting him on his on his pads going going just down towards the the leg stump kind of thing um then you've got plenty of grips for your off cutter i mean off cutter i sort of have like i then separate my fingers like that i get my thumb off the ball there I really try to rip down the side. I've also got the leg cutter, which is I sort of hold it. I, I don't really split my fingers too much, but I make sure the seam is pointing down to say fine leg. And then again, I'm facing on my middle finger. I'm trying to rip down the back. So I sort of bowl it like that. So the ball just sort of pops out and spins and can jaggle to the left as well. So yeah, that's that's the main thing um, in terms of holding it. And when I'm running in, so my big thing is when I get to my run up, I must know my ball. I mustn't be running in and thinking, what should I be bowling here? So running in halfway and saying, if I was going to bowl my, my normal away swinger, now let me try bowl the bouncer or something or whatnot. Now I, at, at my mark, I'm going to say, okay, I'm bowling the away swinger, I'm bowling the length ball, and that that's it. Nothing in my run-up is going to change it. I have to do that. Because if you're in between two minds, suddenly you're trying to adjust grips or you're adjusting how you can release the ball and it just goes haywire. So very clear thought process. I'm, I'm bowling on this line, on this length. I'm going to run in and I'm going to do that. If the batsman... Like I said, if you whacked me away off that, so be it. I mean, that's that's the ball I want to bowl. So just have a clear frame of mind and know what your what your result should be. Like obviously, just get a get an edge or just a dot ball and and think of that. And yeah, when you get to your running crease, just focus on your action and focus on what's best to to get that ball in that area. Yeah, and, and I, I I see this now and again as well. I mean, a lot I see a lot of balls coming in and sort of hesitating i guess at the last minute because they think oh should i bought a yorker here should i bought short should i bought full um and i think that's also down to if the batsman comes out his crease or not or stays in because a lot of the time you see batsmen sort of being able to read the baller straight away and know exactly where it's going to be bowled Uh, Mm. and then hence why they use their feet a lot as well um both against spin and seam so yeah that's that's a big thing um Often now batsmen can see, like you said, they, they pretty much know the ball you're going to bowl straight away. They can, in T20s, they can read the field. If you've got four on the leg side, immediately a batsman knows probability is going to be short or it's going to be on my legs because we want them hitting there. So, I mean, that's a whole, it's a whole nother story. So the only time I'd say is when you change your mind is when that batsman does sort of move out his crease. Um, that's adaptability. You've got to, you've got to train for that, which we do. Um, so say I wanted to bowl just a regular Yorker. And then as I'm loading up, I see the batsman sort of, flying out his crease and he's going to charge me, then you, you can't bowl the York. Obviously, it will be a full toss and he'll just whack you. So then you do need to change it. Um, and you've sort of got to almost bank for that um, that adjustability. So whether it's you still bowl the walk, but you go the York or you go wide, or you just bring your length back, or you bounce them, or you get a slow ball, you, you've got to train those things. And that's that's the the beauty of T20 cricket these days. There's a lot of adaptability in it. There's a lot of, okay, I plan for this, but that's not that's not what I can do now. I've got to, I've got to change it. And that's that's where you see the uh, the real talents in T20 cricket. They're able to do that. Even batsmen, they sort of adjust as a bowler bowls the ball. 
like uh, they go for a reverse sweep or something. So that's it's an exciting format, um, and you've just got to be able to, yeah, like I said, adapt and and change change your ball in a sort of a second of an instance. But ideally, you would want to think sort of say this is the ball I'm going to bowl, and only in those extreme circumstances then you have to change. Like if you're shuffling around, but you do actually you do have to change them. But um, just make sure you've trained for that. But otherwise, I'd say like same thing. He moves around a tiny bit, keep your ball the same. Keep bowling to your field. Like, like I said, with the, the four guys on the leg side, you have to bowl it shorter or you have to go on his leg stump. No matter what he does, you still have to get it in that area to make him hit there. So it's a lot of, this is where I want to be hit. Um, I'm going to bowl the ball, so that is where he has to hit me kind of thing. That's, that's a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it, I think it's, it's all about because you can replicate it in the nets as well at practice, you know, just getting down there and and um, and knowing what you have to do in order to get wickets and mm. to change it as well, you know, halfway through your spell as well. I mean, you've you got to think to yourself, right, this guy's hitting me here or this guy's reading me. What do I need to do here to change and uh, change my type of delivery or, or to, get a, to get a wicket either way, you know? Yeah. So I think that's very important uh, for any youngster or any you know older guy, experienced or not. You know, uh, it still goes for everybody. That same that same concept, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's all about having your plans and and practicing those scenarios. Like like I said, you could be bowling the best length ever, but some guy has it's his day as a batsman. Some batsmen just see it well and they're whacking you, and you say, "Well, I'm bowling my best ball here, but he's still whacking me." You do have to have that plan B. You do have to have those other options. So work on those. I mean, in four-day cricket, it's a bit different there. If you keep hitting your length, you keep getting the consistency in that area, you should get rewarded for it. Not often are too many guys trying to hack out. And even if they do, you get chances with the red ball moving around. It's, it's the white ball, which is where you can get really punished if you don't have a plan B. Um, and with these short formats like T20, even the 100, I think that's going to be a blast fest as well. So you need to have plans um, and to different batsmen as well. But that's where all the analytics come in and all of it and just training those situations in the nets and everything. But yeah, you need to be able to sort of yeah, improvise and, and adapt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, let, let's talk very quickly about obviously your 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 current club, North Ants. Um, why why was North Ants that one club you wanted to go for? Did you, did you have any other offers to play any anywhere else in the county championship? Yeah, after my um my what's it said uh, the, the qualifier which you spoke about, I had a good international season, so I had um one or two counties approach me. I got an agent, and he was. He was going doing the rounds and there, were, there was quite a bit of interest, which was obviously nice to nice to hear. So I was very chuffed with that. But North Ants, I did sort of have ties to in that um, one of my best mate, Ricardo Vasconcelos, he he was playing for them. He had been telling me all about them. I'd come over once or twice to play in their second team to sort of like get the feel and um, try out a bit. And then the bowling coach of um, of the Netherlands, Chris Little, he then moved to North Ants as the fast bowling coach as well. So mm. I just thought like, Good environment. I'm sort of familiar with it through Ricardo. Lids is there. I've worked with Lids for two years, and he knows exactly what makes me tick. And he sort of he knew he had a plan for me and what I need to work on and what I need to do in order to take it to the next level. So I just sort of found if I'm around that kind of setup the whole time, then I'm, I can only improve as a cricketer. So they gave me a nice deal, um, three years as well, so I could really work and and improve. And I knew the town. I'd, I'd even played an SN19 game here in 2014. We came to the stadium and I had a feel of the town and everything and had a feel of the, the team through through Vasco and all that stuff. So it just seemed like the, the best option for me to develop. I mean, it's a nice ground. It's got a good indoor center. The coaching structure is great and um, the lads are very good as well. So, yeah, it worked out. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, I hope it goes well for you uh, uh, down in there in that club. I mean, I've heard very good things about it um, and uh, it's going on the up, so to speak. So... Um, and it's good to have um, youngsters coming in and playing for you know these types of clubs and, and getting good game time under their belts and learning from some of the best uh, players uh, within the country as well. So yeah, absolutely. And we got we got a good young young base coming now. I think there's five, six, seven good youngsters all around my age. Um, so that can really push the club up as well. And then you've got a very senior side of it, so we can learn off those seniors. I mean. I've been learning through Ben Sanderson. He's an absolute wizard with the ball. So I've been sort of watching him in the four-day stuff, getting getting to terms with what he does. And the youngsters as well, the batsmen are learning off like um, Rossa and all of them. So it's a good mix of young and old. And um, yeah, I think the club's on the up. Awesome. 
Uh, well, yeah, I uh, hope it goes well for you and um, hope you'll, you'll be at the club for a very long time. So <laughs> but, uh, uh, here's hoping, well, it depends how things go in the future, I guess, uh, for yourself and, and um, what you want to achieve out of your cricketing journey uh, when you gradually get older as well. So, yeah, um, sure. but, um, uh, yeah North Ants has, I guess, been one of those clubs which has really helped develop players and get, get the best out of players as well. So. Yeah, you see, there's been a heap of cricketers coming through, like the Ben Duckett, um, Ollie Stone as well was there, David Willey. So it seems to be a very good place for, for youngsters to get in and really learn their cricket. And mm. yeah, I mean, it's it's a fantastic club and going from strength to strength. So yeah. Awesome. Um, well, we've got some um, we've got some quick fire questions here to finish off with. Um, cool. And uh, these have been always so fun to do with a lot of players that have come on the pod before. So, um, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're always good. But um, yeah, uh, let's give them a crack uh, and see where we go with this. But um, who is the fastest player in the squad? In terms of running or, or bowling? Uh, I would say running. Fastest player. Um, we haven't really had many sprint offs as yet. Obviously, last season was a bit weird with COVID and whatnot. But um. If I had to take my crack, probably I want to say Emilio Gay or Safe Zeb. They seem quite light on their feet. Um, yeah, I, I could actually give you that answer on on Monday because we've got a two k time trial and we'll have a few sprints as well. So, I mean, well let's let's get in touch on Monday then. <laughs> yeah, the timing the timing is just uh, two days off, but yeah. I, I'd, I'd wrap it on them. There, there's a lot of fit guys as well, which can long distance, but I'd say sprinting are probably probably safe or or Emilio. They look like they can hammer it away. Awesome. Um, what is your favorite moment in your career so far? Favorite moments? Um, I'd say it was probably us winning the, the World Cup qualifiers in 2019 with the Dutch T20. Uh, fortunately, I picked up Man of the Match as well. So that was just, it was an outstanding day for, for us and, and me personally as well. Um, yeah, that's it's something which I'll never forget. And yeah, great, great day. Great place to do it as well. Dubai, lots of fun. So um, yeah, just coming in for my first year as well with the Dutch and us winning a big trophy like that and just knowing that we're going to play in the T20 World Cup as well. Epic. Epic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, who is the strongest player in the squad? Probably Richard Levy. Yeah, in, I've in heard North he's quite East. strong. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he's a strong lad. Him or, or Rosso. They, or even Cobby, our, our, our white ball captain, there's, there's three of them. They're, all, they're big lads and they, they can shift some serious weight and they hit a long ball as well. So they're, they're the sort of guys you go into gym and if they haven't unloaded the rack, you're like, oh, boy, you know, they take off all these plates and whatnot. So, yeah, mm. strong strong boys. Definitely have presence with them. Um, who's the one player that you would love to bowl against that you've not played against before? Sure. Um, I'd say Dale Stein to play against him. Um, obviously, not much of a batsman. In terms of a batsman, I think Joe Root, Virat Kohli, those kind of guys as well. Um, that would be very cool. Uh, even Tom Banton in T20. I played against him in the four-day stuff. When we played against him in the T20, he wasn't there. I think it was with the English. But, yeah, that, it would be really exciting and, and, and um, you know, sort of scary, I guess, to put yourself against those innovative players. But, yeah, those, those three, Coley, Banton, and T20s, just see how they are and see how, how it is to bowl against them. I think it will be epic. I, I sort of love those battles and love playing against big names because you, you think, well, if I take them, then it's, a, it's always good to put in the pocket. But yeah, it would be very exciting to play against those guys. Um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Sure. Um, I think... Something I, I refer to, I used to get quite nervous, um, especially as a youngster playing SN19 or whatever. I used to get so nervous that I wouldn't enjoy cricket, like even driving towards the ground. I'd, I'd be like too nervous and I'd be too focused on performing rather than actually enjoying it. So someone said, don't get nervous, get excited. I think it was one of my good mates from South Africa. They said, listen, if you if you get it right and you're playing in front of thousands of people, like, would you rather be watching it or would you rather be playing it? I'm like, obviously, I'd rather be playing it. So that. Why do you get so worked up then and you're not actually looking forward to playing the game? You're getting a bit too nervous and all that stuff. So yeah. now I just sort of think I, I think it's unreal to be playing professional career. I'm so lucky. And I just have to pinch myself and say, enjoy what, you, what you're doing. Like so many people would love to be here. You've always wanted to be here. So don't hate it because there's too much pressure. Don't put too much pressure on yourself to perform. But rather just uh, you know, don't get nervous, get excited. Um, what is your uh, dream car? 
Yeah, I've been looking at that Mercedes G wagon. I was literally just talking to that um, with my housemate. Now I was like, we drove oh. past the G wagon. I was like, that just looks clear. Like it looks so cool. <laughs> Um, but then we went on and we checked on the Mercedes website and they're like 140k. So we're like, oh, maybe not at the minute. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day in the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day in the future. That looks like a cool car. Um, and I always, I love Ferraris, but I don't think I'd ever get one Aston Martin. But yeah, the, the G Wagon just looks, it looks pretty cool at the minute. It's crazy to think how much money the, these types of cars cost, eh? Oh, it's mad. Yeah. I was expecting maybe like an ATK or whatever. And I was like, that's what um, a Land Rover or something is. So. And went on 140. That can't be right. <laughs> but yeah, then you see the footballers, they they could drive that after a week's work. So we're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Sorry. Um, who is the funniest teammate? Uh, in the Dutch or with North Ends? Uh, we'll go with both. Okay. With the Dutch, I'd say it's Flippy, Flippy Boisvan. He's a, a, a young leggy. He, he's really just an airhead. I love him. I lived with him for, for two, two years in the in Netherlands and whatever. He's, yeah, he's a character. He he's just sort of floats around his life and enjoys it, which is always good. Um, and then in North Hans, probably Ben Curran stands out. He's a clown. I live with him as well. He's 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 lots of fun to be around. So yeah, the youngsters producing the humor, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any nicknames? Yeah, I've got a few. Um, the the one which has arisen out of North Hans is the Camel. Uh, Rob Keogh gave that to me there's no reason behind it at all he said it's just he saw me running one day and he said yeah your strides are a bit long so i'm going to call you the camel now oh okay fantastic and that's now caught in the squad so i'm known as the camel which mm. isn't great <laughs> um but then yeah stand things like a, a g lover just to play on my surname gloves is is a big one and uh yeah one or two ruder ones which we can't really say but <laughs> it's always good fun but yeah the, the, the camel is quite prevalent at the moment so i sort of need it I need to phase that out somehow. I'll work on it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now, who is your greatest inspiration? Who who have been some of the people that really inspired you? Uh, so the classic one would be my dad, um, an extremely hard worker. He's worked um, worked very, very hard in his life to get to where he is and what he does and everything. So I'm like, I just have role modeled with him from a, a young age and he sort of taught me that hard work replaces talent by a long way. So I wasn't the most gifted player growing up and then just through sheer hard work, I got to where I was and been able to, to perform. Um, so yeah, that definitely, definitely him. And obviously he's looked after me. He like, encouraged me to, to push on with my dream. He said, yeah, once uni's done, then you can go give your, your pro cricket thing a, a good hack. So I did that. Um, and then, yeah, Dale is a good one. Um, obviously Nelson Mandela growing up in South Africa is a, is an icon. Uh, we, we know everything about him and what he did for our country and whatnot. So, He's obviously a big one. And then, yeah, you saw, there's just many people along the way, along the road, which you saw, see doing good and model yourself on those kind of things. Like, like I said, Fedra as well, Tiger making his comeback literally a few years ago. And you say, well, he was down and out. And then he became, or well, he went to win the Masters, I think it was. So you sort of just pick up an inspiration like that along the way. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, what's the one item that you cannot live without? one item uh could be my speaker definitely my speaker i have my little portable speaker i'm, I'm massive on music and that kind of thing i love um i love music so headphones in the plane uh, speaker during during training sessions and whatnot um sort of nominate my myself as the dj during training sessions but often end up getting kicked off for whatever reason that might be but <laughs> yeah um yeah probably my probably my speaker just i love getting in a vibe and just listening um, and my last one is, um, what one tip or one piece of advice could you give younger fast bowlers uh, to help them develop in their careers? Yeah, I'd say it would be that that hard work replaces talent. I, I saw so many guys which were were not only quicker than me, were probably better than me, but they just they they relied on their talent alone. And to be fair, I got on that stage in university. I didn't really work that hard on my crickets. I mean. I was obviously working decently hard, still trying to uh, play first class with Paul Lantern, with Marty's and all that stuff, but I didn't put in as much effort as I could have. I just relied on, okay, I've got pace. I've got, um, I've got decent skills. Let me try to get through. And I never, I wasn't really going to kick on. Um, so definitely work hard. If you've got talent and you, you have got a, a good training sort of ethic, you're going to go far. And if you can work on a few things and just make sure you knuckle down, I think you, you stand in line for, for success in anything, even in, in business or whatever, like, 
studies, all that stuff. You could be clever. You go to university and you get absolutely knocked down just because you don't study. Uh, I saw that part of life as well, fortunately. So the key is that you're just just grinding. So make sure you've got that that mindset and the ability to just grind away and work on what you want to do. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, Brandon. I, I really appreciate your time uh, coming on to the pod and, and uh, speaking with us. And uh, uh, we, you were talking to me beforehand about how you're uh, getting some stuff later for dinner. What sort of things are you will you be making tonight? Uh, I, I don't know. We still got to sort that out. I mean, we'll head down to the Tesco. I've I've only got like uh, like three good good meals at the moment. I sort of rely on Ricardo to to do the cooking. I'll just clean up it. Uh, maybe a chicken pesto pasta or something, something easy and something filling. I mean, I'm extremely hungry and I, I, I always eat a, a fair bit. So yeah, definitely something filling. Nice, nice. Well, I hope that goes well. And um, uh, I'd be delighted to have you back on the pod uh, in the near future as well, mate. So, um, but um, yeah, take care of yourself and um, uh, have a good weekend. And uh, we'll see you again on here very, very soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Ali, for having me. I had a lot of fun, yeah. Definitely come back on it soon and have a good weekend yourself.